Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Mark, chapter number 2. Mark, chapter number 2, this evening. What a happy song, amen? What a happy song. The light was shining right on. Did you see that? I was thinking, I saw the light, I thought I'd say. They are are in the light, amen. Mark, chapter number 2. Mark, chapter 2. Let's begin at verse number 1. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. 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 The Bible says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And let us pray that will be that way for Westside. Amen. That when we gather, we will uh, experience and enjoy and notice the presence of the Lord. So verse 2, and straightway many were gathered together. Why? Because he was in the house. It was noise that he was in the house. And many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as, the, as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they, came, they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. So this man is paralyzed. He cannot walk. He's carried by four. And we know this story well, don't we? The Bible says, And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press or the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? He must be God, amen. Verse 8, immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason you these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. This is interesting, I've always thought so. To prove that he has power to forgive sins. He saith unto the sick of the palsy, verse 11, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. In verse 12, And immediately he arose, and took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorifying God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Thankful, Lord, for this morning's worship service and the word that you gave us. And Lord, I pray that we would hear your word and believe your word. And Lord, that we will understand what saving faith looks like by your word. Lord, remind us that you alone are the authority on what Christianity is and what it looks like. You alone, Lord, are salvation. And Lord, I pray that we would believe your word and take your word as you said it and believe it and trust it. And Lord, I pray you would do it again tonight. We'd hear your word, we'd respond to it. We'd believe your word. And Lord, we would do what we hear because we believe it. Change our hearts. Forgive us of our sins. Lord, we pray you do a work in our lives tonight. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. There's some obvious lessons here that we often make note of. The first one is that, thank God, this man has good friends. Amen. And Jesus, he sees their faith, as our text teaches us, 
and their faith is rewarded because they brought this man to Jesus. They really believe that if they get this man to Jesus, that Jesus can do something about his need. You and I should be under that same impression tonight, that if we can get our loved ones, our family, our friends, our enemies to the foot of Jesus, that Jesus Christ can absolutely help them. I also think it's interesting to note that this man... This man's illness is credible. It's known in the community, which, which gives it some credibility. This is why they know he's sick, in other words. They know this isn't a trick. This man has four witnesses. They know him. They could all vouch and say this man is absolutely paralyzed. So when Jesus does this miracle before them, they all know it's a miracle. They all fully understand it. It's not fake. They all absolutely know the condition of this man. This isn't a trick, and we see that in their response to it. But I think that this story is in the life of Jesus is to clear up a very important issue about the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this clears it up, I think, wonderfully well. Is that Jesus did not come to be known as a faith healer. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus did not come on earth to be known as someone who just merely merely helps people with their medical problems. That is not the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we see that in the end of chapter number 1. Remember, the Bible says in verse 44, after Jesus heals the man with leprosy, if you recall from last Sunday night, that Jesus said, say nothing to no man. Jesus is not concerned about being known as a faith healer. Jesus deals with this man's greatest need. His greatest need is not that he's paralyzed, that he cannot walk. His greatest need, and Jesus is, is clearing up this issue. Because remember, they lay him down, and Jesus doesn't say, Be thou healed first. Jesus says, Thy sins are forgiven thee. So this man's greatest problem is his, is his sin. The greatest issue in his life is that he needs forgiveness. Now, it's so clear if you're there, and I pray through eyes of faith that we can go there tonight. This man is unable to walk unable to move, unable to get around, unable to go to the bathroom. He cannot go to the kitchen and make a, open up a can and heat it up, a Chef Boardee. He can't walk to the mailbox. We don't, we, he has to use a bedpan. You can imagine what he's dealing with in his life. Probably has bed sores, cannot walk at all. But that is not this man's greatest need. Jesus is teaching us that the issue of why he came is to save people from their sins. Now, it's, it's, not as, it's kind of hard to see that because we see outwardly. And we always want dramatics and the theatrics of it all. You know, even this man, nobody really praised and shouted and glorified God when this man's sins were forgiven. They did that, though, after Jesus said, rise up and walk, and he walked. Then they're really excited. It's, it's, not, really, it's not really exciting to see somebody from the world's perspective to have their sins forgiven. But Jesus is not worried about what the world wants nor what it desires. The greatest need in all of life is to be forgiven of your sins. That's it. To be saved. That is the greatest issue, that is the greatest human condition, is to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And so Jesus deals with this man's greatest need, and his greatest need isn't that he's paralyzed. The greatest need is that he needs to be forgiven from his sins I, t I brought this up a couple Wednesday nights ago. 
And I remember Richard Exley, you remember him, that dear soul, the member of our church who's in glory now, and he was suffering and dying from MS, if you remember. And I remember I went to the rehab facility where he was there and where he was going to stay. And Richard Exley, at the point that I visited him, he was unable to move, unable to talk, unable to go to the bathroom, unable to brush his teeth. He, had a, he breathed and ate, I think, through, or breathed through a, through a hole in his throat that they had cut so he could breathe. I forget the technical name for that. He was unable to do anything. I remember I was uh, sharing the gospel with him, not because he needed it, but because I thought he might want to hear it. And I told it him because he was already born again. And I, I mentioned Jesus loves him and cares for him and praise God we got, a better, we got a better day. There's a brighter tomorrow that Jesus loves you and you know that. That Jesus has forgiven you of your sins and you have everlasting life and it won't be long. You know, eventually you can get to a point medically when you don't feel bad saying, it won't be long, Brother Richard, you'll be in glory. It won't be long you'll be with Jesus. It won't be long your suffering will be over. And there, as I was talking to him, able to move, tear was running down his face. I read him some scripture too. I read him the Bible. And I thought about him the other day when I was thinking about this passage. Right now, Richard Exley is to be absent from the body. He right now is in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this life, he suffered tremendously, but now he's with Jesus Christ forevermore. In this life, he had a terrible disease and sickness. And many of us prayed for his healing. I remember that. Many of us prayed that he, God would have mercy on him. But can't we say right now that God did have mercy on him? That heaven is healing like we like to say? Why, we wouldn't bring Richard Exley back for nothing, would we? He's where he needs to be and he's where he wants to be. His life teaches us that point. That it's better to know Jesus than to have good health, isn't it? It's better to know Jesus Christ as Savior than to live a thousand years it's better to know the Lord Jesus Christ than make a bunch of money. It's better to know Jesus than to live a long life. And oftentimes, even the church, we're so worried about medical issues, but the greatest issue of every person that's ever lived is that they know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. There is absolutely nothing more important than to have your sins forgiven. Nothing is more important than knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Nothing is tremendously more important than that. So we often worry like if someone, if we found out that Brother Bryson has a disease, and I, I know that we would be worried about that, but Bryson's greatest need is to know Jesus Christ as his Savior, and I'm glad he does. Amen? That is the greatest need of every human that's ever lived. Do you know Jesus? We, we sing it, don't we? I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than health, wouldn't you? I'd rather have Jesus... Boy, we'd be in a predicament, wouldn't we, if we didn't have good health and didn't have Jesus. But if we have Jesus and we're in poor health, then we have everything we need, don't we? To know Jesus is to have everything. And so Jesus is clearing up an important issue. Jesus came not to be known as a faith healer. Jesus Christ came to be known as the Savior. The gospel is more important than physical healing. The gospel is more important than physical healing. The gospel is more important than anything else in your life. The gospel is the greatest issue and need of our lives. Amen? It is the gospel. Jesus makes it clear in verses 8 through 12. 
When Jesus said, he perceived in his spirit, why you reason these things in your heart? And he says, whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that you may know, verse 10, that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed. The only reason Jesus healed him is so we would know that Jesus Christ absolutely has power to forgive sins. The healing is the footnote of the story. The main thing is this man's sins are forgiven. You know, even as parents, we think about our children and we think, well, I want to make sure they have a good education. But Jesus is more important than that. We say, I want to make sure they have a good career. And we spend a lot of energy and time arranging their career path. But Jesus Christ is more important than a career path. Knowing Jesus Christ is the most important thing in a young person's life. There is no issue greater than that. The greatest need is to know Jesus as Savior. So we shouldn't follow Jesus for theatrics then. I'm skeptical of any ministry or any... Anybody who says, I'm a faith healer, I always think, what about the gospel? Anybody who talks about what God did for them other than the gospel, I always think, what about the gospel? Because you know, the devil can make you rich too, amen? I even think the devil can uh, make your life healthy. What about the gospel, though? What about the gospel? Anything about church that isn't about the gospel, I always think, what about the gospel? It is the most important thing, after all, isn't it? What about the gospel? Anything that puts more emphasis on miracles or sign gifts or healings than the Lord Jesus Christ, that thing, that ministry is missing the gospel. The miracle is Jesus Christ. He is the miracle. The Lord Jesus Christ is the miracle. He's the one that should get all of our attention. In the book of John I was reading this afternoon where Jesus is, is speaking to the crowd. There's a big crowd around him. And he's, this is the discourse of the bread of life. And before that, Jesus, he sends the crowd away and they finally find him. And in verse number 25... Of John chapter 6, the Bible says, When they had found him on the other side of the sea, they say unto him, Rabbi, when comest thou hither? This is when Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee. They finally found him. And Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. So Jesus is saying, Your only reason why you're after me is what he can do for your earthly life. That's what he's saying. You're only following me for what I can do for your earthly life. And there's a lot of people that get it mixed up. They think, they think their earthly life is more important than the gospel. They think their, their health is more important than the gospel. Because I, I see it in churches, even in our church, that we spend a lot of time worrying about somebody's health, but we spend very little time worrying about somebody's soul. Their soul is more important than their heart. Their soul is more important than their lungs. Their soul is more important than anything. And so Jesus, he's, Jesus is he's, he's asking them, you only are coming after me because you think I can make your earthly life better. And our story tonight is giving evidence of that. This man is suffering, he's paralyzed, but Jesus don't start there. He starts with his great need, forgiveness of sins, which can only be had through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus says in verse number 26... 
You seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Verse 27, labor not for the meat which perished. Perisheth. What does that mean? It means don't worry about temporary things. Stop worrying about temporary things. It's all going to pass away. So what should you and I worry about? Worry about things that are important. This man could have been healed and not been saved, and Jesus would have done him a great disservice. Because being healed is just being healed from being paralyzed is just an earthly problem being solved. But being forgiven is an eternal issue. So Jesus is dealing with the eternal, and he's not dealing with the temporary things. So Jesus came to deal with our eternal problem, not to deal with our temporary earthly problems. So here's what the gospel is emphasizing then. The gospel is to deal with our eternal issue. The gospel is dealing with eternity. And the greatest need is eternity. And Jesus says, I don't want you, I want you all to stop worrying about temporary things. Stop focusing on temporary things. Stop worrying and spending so much energy on things that aren't going to matter a hundred years from now. Churches should worry about eternal things, not about things that are going to go away 20 years from now. Because what would it matter if you have the whole world and lost your soul? What would it matter if you got healed and didn't know Jesus? It don't matter, does it? It don't matter at all. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Look at verse number 58 of John 6. Jesus said, this is that bread which came down from heaven. Like, he's the bread that came from heaven. Because they're talking about our father did eat manna that came from heaven in the wilderness. And Jesus says, I am the bread, the true bread from heaven. You're hung up on that. I am what you need. So in verse number 58, Jesus said, this is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, he said. What is Jesus saying? The miracle of manna didn't give them eternal life. The miracle didn't give them eternal life. You're so hung up on what God can do for you in this life that you forget that Jesus is dealing with the eternal. As much as you boast about how God did this for you, and people talk about it, hey, God saved my life a thousand times, but did God save your soul? Maybe God has spared your life a thousand times so you would finally repent and believe the gospel. You hear people talking all the time, oh, God's blessed me with money, or God's blessed me with food, God blessed me with a good car, God blessed me with a good job, God saved me from this terrible surgery that went bad, God healed me of this disease, but are you saved? That's the question. Do you know Jesus? That's the real issue, isn't it? Jesus is saying, you all, your dads ate the manna from heaven, but they all died. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. What is Jesus? His whole emphasis is this. I'm coming that you might have eternal life. I've come that you might have life. I've came to save your souls. Luke 19.10, the mission statement that Jesus gave us. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. This is the bread. Your fathers ate man in the wilderness, and they're all dead. They're all dead. Jesus is clearing up the issue. Stop 
worrying about temporary things. I got a big problem with faith healers. Anyway, why don't they go to St. Jude Hospital? Amen? If you can do it, let's go do it. I mean, if you really can do it, I know some kids battling leukemia, don't you? I saw their pictures. They're over there in East Tennessee Children's Hospital. Then would you please go over there and do it? Would you please? Jesus is worried about the eternal more than the temporal. Hey, I'm glad that God can heal, aren't you? I've seen him do it. I've I've heard testimonies of him doing it. But if he ever does it in your life, that's not the big issue. He must be doing it because he wants you to do something while you still got time to do it. If God ever heals you of some disease, then don't waste your life. God must have an eternal plan. And that eternal plan is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's worried about. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And if you're dying of cancer and God spares your life, then use it as a testimony to preach and teach and share the saving message of Jesus Christ because that is what he's worried about. Not just so you can be healed Jesus, next to the man dying on the cross, said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus did not take him down from the cross. Jesus did not ease his suffering. Jesus did not stop the bleeding. Jesus did not stop his judgment or or take away his capital punishment. Jesus let this man die. Jesus let him die. This man suffered on a cross, and Jesus didn't do anything about it. But Jesus saved his soul. That day, this man was with Jesus in paradise. This story of the man born of four, Jesus is clearing up an issue. He didn't come to be a faith healer. He came to save people from their sins. That's what it means. That's why he came. John 6, 59. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And Jesus said, many, the Bible says, many therefore of his disciples, when they heard him say this, what? When he heard them say that I'm the bread from heaven, if you eat of my bread and eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you'll have everlasting life. When they heard him talking about really what he came for, the theatrics were over, the drama was gone, no more miracles of loaves, no more, no more food When they found out what Jesus was really talking about it, this is a hard saying, they said, and who can hear it? Most people's misunderstanding of the gospel is that, is that they think the gospel is only to deal with their temporal problems. You know, you can get saved and get born again, and and you still might go bankrupt. You know any poor Christians? (laughs) You know... You know any Christians struggling with health problems? I do, don't you? (laughs) Absolutely. This man's greatest need was that his sins could be forgiven. And that's why Jesus came. To save people from their sins. Amen. I want you to start asking your heart this. And I want you to pray to God to help you with it. Are you more concerned with people's earthly problems than you are their eternal problems? Are you more concerned about somebody's health issues and their spiritual issues? Are you more concerned about them getting through this tough time than you are about them going to heaven or hell? For Jesus came to save sinners from their sins. 
And all the people that Jesus healed in the New Testament, all of them died earthly. All of them finally died. Jesus didn't come to make people whole physically. Jesus came to make people whole spiritually. Jesus came to save sinners from their sins. That's the issue, isn't it? That's the issue. I've preached long enough today, amen? Let's stand to our feet. We'll sing a song of invitation. I hope and pray that you see, God help us to see the need. What's eternal? That's what's important. What's eternal? Now this applies to Christian people because of this. Don't get saved and then go about living your life according to your own will. Because you're running out of time. You should live your life with eternity in mind. So that means you got little issues going on. Is it eternal? That's the question. You got drama in your life, a little spat in your family, a little issue going on at work. That ain't going to amount to a hill of beans 100 years from now. Don't get distracted. So they, they carry this man, four people, tear the roof off the house. Jesus is not distracted. This man's big need is he needs to be forgiven. He's not distracted. He sees beyond the earthly things, sees beyond the temporary things, and he sees this man's greatest need is he needs his sins forgiven. Stop worrying about earthly things. God help us to do it. Amen. What is eternal? Brittany, uh, like most moms, she takes a thousand pictures a year or more. Amen. A lot. And somehow our, our TV... Uh, chimed in with her phone somehow and like the screensaver on the TV is like pictures of us through the years and a lot of times I see I see a picture of my ugly mug on there like from 10 15 years ago even and I, I know that day I was worried about something I knew it just like we always do and I always see myself and I ask myself that question about every time I think about this listen to me I think wonder what I was worried about that day I wonder what I was worried about that day and I can't even remember. I wonder what was on my mind that day. It didn't even matter. It didn't even matter. What's eternal? That's what's important. The eternal things. That people's sins will be forgiven. That they'll know Jesus. They'll build families on His Word. That children will know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. That Papa will get saved. That's what's most important. Amen? That's what's most important. Let's sing together. You obey the Lord this, this evening.